anxious he got just watching him. And he's like, yeah, but you're sitting in a chair. <laughs> or maybe you see this image right here. This clicker is not as good as I thought it was. Sorry, Tom. And you're like, oh yeah, that is definitely way, way more scary. Or maybe you see this image. And you're like, that is definitely one of the greatest fears in my life, actually talking to another human being that I don't know. <laughs> and many of you are getting sweaty palms thinking about, maybe someone will talk to me after this service, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I guarantee they're more anxious than you are. Or maybe it's this image right here, and it's this idea of, being alone, or maybe you see the darkness and you think being afraid of the dark. Fear is an interesting thing, and it all starts from this really odd spot in our brain called the amygdala. It's a two-almond-shaped uh, piece of our brain that each one of us has, and it creates this sense of fear in us, and it's innate, and we cannot change it, and we cannot get over it. Fear is a fascinating thing, and I remember growing up, one of the greatest t-shirts brands was No Fear Gear, and it was like, I'm so hardcore, I have no fear, which is actually a giant lie. Let's look at fear in verse 11 of chapter 8. We're not looking at fear and loathing in Las Vegas, we're looking at fear and what God is doing in the life of Isaiah. Last week we talked about hearing from God and this call in our lives, and hopefully some of you took that practice that we mentioned to heart and tried it out. Verse 11, For the Lord spoke thus to me, with his strong hand upon me, and warned me not to walk in the ways, way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense, and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among my disciples, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord, of, the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living, to the teaching and to the testimony? If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry, and when they are hungry they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. Happy Mother's Day to all of us. <laughs> Uh. For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me. And we just immediately are given this image, right? Maybe it was your mom. Maybe it was your dad. 
they put their hand on you and they say, son or daughter, there's something I need to talk to you about. And you immediately feel like the presence of fear coming over you. It's like the hand of Thanos coming on you and you're like, oh boy. Oh boy. God is placing his hand proverbially, proverb, you know what I mean. He's placing his hand on Isaiah and he's telling him not to walk in the way of his people. Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy and do not fear what they fear nor be in dread. What does it look like to walk in the way of the world? It's interesting because if you've ever decided that you were going to start a new workout plan, and then you go and you're like, all right, foundation of workout, strengthen my legs, you go and you do a leg workout, and then you begin to walk as if you've never walked before. Some of you know what I mean. And someone says, what's wrong with you? You're walking differently. And you're like, yeah, I know. It was leg day a week ago. You walk differently because you have experienced something differently. And in the same way, Isaiah is being told to not walk in the way of the world. He should look differently than the way the world looks. As people look at his gate, his life, it should look differently. And the question becomes, when people look at our lives, do we look different? Or... Do we follow Aerosmith and walk in the way of the world through their great tune, Walk This Way? God says, do not walk in the way of the world, and this is part of what the world looks like. And he talks about this idea of conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories are one of the most bizarre things ever. I mean, ever. And did you realize that the great Sam Adams, the cousin of John Adams, helped found this country on a conspiracy theory? You're like, no, no, it didn't happen. Well, actually it did. And back in the day, they spread all of these pamphlets around the colonies under the conspiracy theory that Britain's whole plan, the maniacal plan of the crown, was to enslave the colonists for their gain, and it incited all of this fear among the people, which resulted in the Boston Massacre. Conspiracies of this world can do crazy things. In an article in Wired Magazine, they say, Conspiracy theories are to people what an unsupervised toddler is to a bored border collie. It may not look quite like a sheep, but when you nip at its ankles, your brain sure feels like it's doing its job. <laughs> the combination of the endless internet and your pattern-hungry brain has managed to spread webs of red string farther than ever before possible. Conspiracy theories are a little bit like pork rinds. They look so good and they taste so good and there's actually no substance to them because they are, well, worthless. Isaiah says, 
conspiracy theories. Do not call conspiracy what the people are calling conspiracy because that's what's happening during this time. There's these conspiracies about the powers that be and who's going to do this and what's going to happen. And he says, do not fear what the world fears, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. So Alex Honnold was in the first picture. And he's kind of become this recent celebrity after, obviously, Free Solo winning um, or being up for the Oscar and winning the Oscar. And everyone's all obsessed with Alex Honnold and the idea that that Alex Honnold is a freak. Um, He has giant hands. He lives in a van for most of his time. And he climbs massive rock faces without a rope. And people say, is it that Alex Honnold's brain isn't functioning properly? And so in this book, On the Climb, it's called um, The Impossible Climb, there's a big section about him going in for this brain scan. And you're like, yeah, that was in the movie too. But in, like in most cases, the book is better than the movie. And he gets this scan to see if his amygdala is firing properly. And there is actually a disease called Urbach Veda disease in which the amygdala of a person's brain doesn't function. In essence, you feel no fear at all. And that is definitely not the case in Alex Honnold's life. His fear factor is high. It just so happens that when he is climbing a mountain, the fear that he has is not about him falling off the mountain. And fear is this fascinating thing in us because it allows us to survive. If we experience something where we need to run away or we need to seek refuge or we need to do something, that amygdala fires so quickly and without thought that it saves our lives. And when we talk about fearing God, it becomes this very tenuous position Because we often think of being afraid of something. Falling off a cliff, snakes, you know, go down the list. And each one of us has fears that exist in our lives that oftentimes we can't control. And there's a difference between a true fear and being afraid. And Isaiah says that he is to fear God. The people are to fear God. And fearing God is about reverence. It's about worship and respect. It's like when you're in the mountains backcountry skiing, you're not fearful of an avalanche in the sense that you're crippled. You're respecting what the mountain can do to you. Or if you're on the ice in the wintertime, you have a healthy fear of the ice. You respect what it can do to you. Or this winter, we were out visiting a friend, some friends uh, in Hawaii, and after him telling me about numerous shark attacks, he's like, let's go spearfishing beyond the reef. And you look out, and you're like, there's so much ocean out there. And I know that there's a tiger shark looking at my body, thinking how delicious I would be. We have these fears that exist in our lives and it 
there are healthy fears that create reverence for things. And then there is fear in our life that does all sorts of crazy things. And it's interesting that we're talking about fear during the month of mental health awareness. And we've seen this local movement uh, of looking at mental health and talking about mental health and seeing these great fundraising events that are taking place in the area to promote mental health and within the school and this Lighthouse Project thing that's happening on May 18th and this Million Meters Row thing that's happening in Baxter to help promote this reality that some people live with fear and anxiety that is debilitating to them. And so when we look at this word fear and fear God, we have to keep it in perspective of what do we mean by fearing God. And it's this reverence and respect. And what Isaiah is being told is, don't fear the things of this world. Don't fear the things that the world is telling you to fear. You know, embargo this, and stock market that, and zombie apocalypse is right around the corner, and you know that's real. I saw it on the internet. Don't fear the things that the world fears. Fear what you should fear and respect what you should respect, and that is God. And it's interesting because last week we talked about the fact that God is with us and God is near us. And I think at times when we look at overemphasizing the nearness of God, what we end up doing is we end up diminishing the power of who God is and the magnitude of who God is. And so we don't have as big of a fear of God or a healthy fear. Not that we're afraid of what God will do, but that we respect who he is. He says, and he will be, become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Well, could you make up your mind? <laughs> is he a sanctuary or is he a stumbling block? How can something that causes such great fear be a place of sanctuary? How can some place that is a sanctuary also become a stumbling block? Well, the whole idea here is that the people that aren't acknowledging who God is, he becomes a stumbling block to them. It's like, you know, you get up in the middle of the night and you need to go to the bathroom and you forget that the dog is in the room <laughs> and you trip over the dog and you're like, who put you here? <laughs> Do not underestimate who God is. He will become a sanctuary. For those who are in Christ, He is a sanctuary, a place where we can run to and seek solace and refuge in. He says, Bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding His face from the house of Jacob and I will hope in him. Why do we struggle with waiting so much? I pre-ordered the new Johnny Swim album that was supposed to be delivered on April 19th. 
and I even ordered on Amazon Prime and April 19th, it doesn't show up, and I get an email, it's not gonna show up till the first week of June, and I just flip my desk over. <laughs> like, why would I pre-order this? Why would I pay for Amazon Prime if I cannot get what I want when I want it, which is right now? You know, we talk about this idea that patience is a virtue. Patience is not a virtue. It is a fruit of the Spirit. I'm just not a very patient person. Okay? We have a class this summer on growing in our faith. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been given the fruit of the Spirit, and patience is one of those things. But we have a problem with patience. We don't like to wait for anything. We want it, and we want it right now. And Isaiah is saying, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. Why is it so hard to wait for God? You know, fear and patience seem to be like these opposite things. And lack of patience is a lack of trust. And if we fear God, we trust God, and if we trust God, then we can be patient with what he is doing. But we want the results, and we want the results now. And Isaiah is saying, I will be patient and wait for God because I know that God is going to deliver. And so we wait, and 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 we hope, I talked about this with the youth group, you know, when my kids get out of school, they immediately text me at, at three, you know, three o'clock and five seconds, where are you? I'm on my way. Well, where are you? I'm almost there. Why are you texting and driving? Why are you texting me? I'm driving. <laughs> and it's like, well, you said you are going to pick me up from school. I'm going to pick you up from school. But you're not here yet. I will be there. Trust me, you will tonight. Have to sleep at school tonight. Maybe tomorrow night, but not tonight. In the same way, God gives us these promises of the things that he's going to do in our lives, and we're like, God, it hasn't happened yet. I know. God, it still hasn't happened. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm aware. <laughs> Remember, I'm God, and you're not. And so we keep waiting patiently for what God is going to do in our lives. The problem is, Israel becomes impatient, and we become impatient. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers. Necromancer, such a great word. Such a bad thing. The necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? If they will not speak according to his word, it is because they have no dawn. That's the thing, right? When we become impatient with what God is doing, then we start to go to other sources. And that's what the nation is doing, is they're going to these other sources, to, to the mediums and the necromancers or the, the psychics and the spiritualists. 
and the people that they think can talk to the dead. And God is saying, why are you, why are you asking the dead people about a living thing? It's like, if you come to me and want NASCAR talk, you're coming to the wrong place. You should go to Tom. He'll talk NASCAR all day. And yet we go to these other sources and we're like, maybe, maybe this is what God wants me to do. No. God wants you to come to him. He wants us to come and gather and wait for what he is doing. And the nation is impatient and so they're seeking out other things. These mediums as if they can consult the dead. See conspiracy theories. Not true. (laughs) And the imagery that he gives us is that when we seek out sources for the truth about who God is that are things other than God, there is no dawn. There is no light. I talked to I have some friends that live in Alaska and they talk about how terrible their winter is. You go to work and it's dark and you eat lunch as the sun is coming up. And then the sun goes down and you're still at work. And you're like, is it ever going to be light? Darkness ensues in this environment where we seek out other things, things other than God. And it's not a pretty picture. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. What is worse than it being dark? Being hungry in the dark. (laughs) I mean, how great, it's kind of a classic at this point, but how great is the Snickers Betty White commercial. Not familiar? The Snickers commercials where it's a celebrity and the people are like, dude, you're totally acting like a diva and they're driving in the car. Gives him a Snickers and he's no longer a diva. Not seen that one. Cut the cord to cable, I guess. Except the commercials were like five years ago. It's not going to be a good situation. And he hearkens back to this truth that our options are either what the world has to offer or what God has to offer. And if we allow our lives to be dominated by the fears of the world instead of the fear of God, we are in a perpetual state of darkness and hunger. But if we fear God through this healthy reverence and worship and we acknowledge who He is and the desire that He has to be close to us and to be in relationship with us, the fears of the world melt away and we can find sanctuary and solace and the only light that is available and that is through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come on this day 
We come on this day that we celebrate mothers in our lives, whether they are our biological mothers or a mother figure. And we talk about this idea of fear that exists in our lives. We thank you for all of the mothers that you have placed in our lives. And we thank you for the truth of the word that you have given us today. That we don't have to fear what this world fears. We don't have to listen to the things of this world. We have the true and only source of life, of light, of sanctuary, and that is you. Holy Spirit, may we find our sanctuary in a relationship with your Son, Jesus. May we not fear what this world fears. May we worship the one true God. In Jesus' name, amen.